Welcome back to another episode of The Catalyst by SoftChoice, the podcast dedicated to exploring the intersection of people and technology. And I'm your host, Aaron Brooks. Hey there, and welcome to a special edition of The Catalyst by SoftChoice. So we've had a lot of conversations over the last couple months around generative AI, and a lot of that has happened outside of work. We talk about it at bars, we talk about it with our friends, and we do it at home with our families. So we thought it'd be a really interesting special edition of the podcast to dig in a little deeper and see how do we take this from a discussion we're having outside of work to the boardrooms. What better way to do this than to invite two really smart co-workers of mine to join me at the Tin Cup, my favorite watering hole, and have an open discussion around generative AI and how we make this real, how we take this from the bar to the boardroom. So today, I was joined by Cheryl Stoops, who's our Vice President of Revenue Growth and Marketing at SoftChoice, and we sat down with one of the smartest people that we know in the space, Craig McQueen. He's the Vice President of Digital Acceleration at SoftChoice. We shared a few drinks, a few laughs, and we heard about how SoftChoice is helping our customers respond to this new urgent business imperative around AI. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you want to learn more about how SoftChoice can help businesses like yours unlock the power of generative AI, visit softchoice.com slash genai to get started. For our audio listeners, you might be wondering why there's so much noise in the background. Well, we were recording live from the Tin Cup, my favorite bar. So we apologize in advance for the clinking glasses and ice and ringing phones. The 401's been like that forever. Right where the Tim Hortons is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't go to Tim Hortons, but Starbucks or nothing. Ridiculous. I meant to ask you, how did the podcast record go yesterday with Cisco? Oh, it was awesome. Like, I, just the topic of security alone is amazing. And yeah. I don't know if you know Mike Storm at all, but he's been in security for 30 years. He's unbelievable. Like, the stuff he knows about what's going on in the industry, it's, it's ridiculous. The one thing I did notice, though, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but, like, every podcast I've done this year has turned into some conversation around AI. Totally. Like, every single one. doesn't matter if it's about furniture logistics or uh, future of education. There's an element of it that's AI. It's interesting you say that because I'm thinking about WorkEra. I'm thinking about VMware. I'm thinking about Skyloan Robotics. I mean, it, you're right. I think, I think almost every episode. Yeah. It's everywhere. What about you? You're the one in front of customers. Hey, well, it's, it's not even just at work. At, at home around the dinner table, my daughter, who's a recruiter is using AI to improve her job, and she just kind of did this on her own. Uh, but it's been very effective, whether it's writing job descriptions, creating interview questions, creating good responses to those interview questions. Uh, it's improved her productivity and enabled her to, to work better. Sorry, so she's doing this on her own, or is this like the company saying, oh, we gotta use AI to... No, ChatGPT, I mean, it's that, that generation you know, loves technology and just yeah. used to picking up and using it. What about you guys? Like, are you actually using it? I haven't touched it, so I don't know what the big thing is around AI, to be honest with you. You haven't touched ChatGPT, or you're not using AI? No, I'm, well, I don't think I'm using AI. I certainly haven't touched ChatGPT. Aaron, I, I think you'd be shocked if you were to count the number of times that you're actually using AI through the day. Uh, what do you mean? Do you have an iPhone? Of course. Does it have, do you ever use Siri? I have actually turned it off. Oh, well. <laughs> Does it ever make recommendations on where you might drive next? It does, actually. Do you use Spotify? Yeah, I love Spotify. Yeah. Recommended some good stuff to you? Uh, yeah, some, although, like, I'm a big metalhead, and Taylor Swift came up the other day. I well, that, well that, that was, I mean, we all know you're a your, closet Swifty. That was due to your browsing habits. But, uh, <laughs> but that's all AI. Like all of us for years, we're using AI every day, and we don't know it. And now this is the opportunity, just with technology, it shifts from consumer into business. 
okay, so let's, let's stay there for a second on business because I've been on a couple of customer calls, actually probably about 25 in the last couple months, and I'd say about 80% of the time the customers ask about AI. My response, not saying that this is the right response, is like, well, you've got ChatGPT, so I would encourage your users to just use ChatGPT. That probably sounds like the right approach. You could do that, and there's a, a few problems. The, the first thing is, if people just start using it, which they are, yeah. you end up with a whole bunch of science projects, meaning it's not really going to move the business forward. Where it can move the business forward is when you organize and get some focus around it. First of all, you want to make sure you're actually solving a problem. Otherwise, you're just doing something interesting. In order to solve a problem, you need to involve the business and have the business say, hey, if I were able to do this, we'd be able to get more customers, have more productivity, drive operational efficiencies. And so typically, if customers are speaking with me, what I recommend is you need to pull together some business owners along with IT and have a focused, facilitated discussion. And I also recommend that often you need a third party. It's hard to get people together and facilitate them through to a use case to prove a hypothesis of, yes, AI can solve this problem or not. So let me, let me get that straight then. So one of the conversations I had with a customer, it was an architectural firm, and they were talking about AI and how to better use it. And their use case, or they didn't use the word use case, but they're like, what we want to solve for is I've got 80 years of architectural drawings that are sitting there. We've got geographical data, soil samples, weather, and what we want to do is get to market faster on creating architectural designs based on what a customer's need is. So when he was talking about that, I didn't really put that into that would be a use case. Like, is that an example of what you're saying about a use case? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's taking intellectual property and knowledge that you have and applying uh, Gen AI, that large language model, so that customers or the users can better work with it. Um, and it sounds like that would be focused on a, a specific business problem. So one of the things they were really worried about uh, in that, if I can just stay on that use case for a second, is um, how much money it would cost for them to involve technology. Like, oh, like we've already spent our budget for the year and we've, we don't have a lot of money free to us, so we think we're going to push this down the road a little bit because of how expensive it would be. Well, the good news is companies like Microsoft, OpenAI, Google, AWS, they've spent billions of dollars already to build out the software and train, do the massive training required to create the technology. So the, you know, a lot of that's been done already. So it's not really a investment in technology uh, issue. It's an investment in, in people. And, and really it's how do you organize, like we talked about, yep. get a business users to have a use case that you can then put initiative together where people can start adopting this technology. And that's the, the key thing is you do not need data scientists um, sure, there's some technology involved, but it's not a big technology lift. It's really about how you turn this into an initiative that changes the way that people work. In fact, Cheryl's been thinking about this for her organization, and she certainly runs a part of the soft choice business. Why don't you share what uh, you've been working on? Sorry, what, what's your job again? You're the worst. So as some of our listeners know, yes. and some of the folks know within SoftChoice, I lead our revenue growth and marketing organization. And actually, I reached out to Craig pretty early on. And as you know, you know, the way that our customers are buying right now, and we've gone through this, we talk about this all the time, but on average now, B2B buyers are consuming roughly 12 pieces of content 
anytime they buy anything. Really? And so our ability to produce high quality thought leadership, whether it's a white paper or a case study or an episode of the podcast, but the demand that we get for content far exceeds the capacity we have within the marketing organization. In fact, we have only two people within SoftChoice that create all the content. So you can think about this huge pipeline coming into a very small team. Yeah. And so when ChatGPT4 came out, it immediately got us thinking, how could we be leveraging this to start to create more content, better quality content, and ultimately to service our customers better? And I didn't really know where to start, and so I called the smartest person I know, which is Craig McQueen. Can you call me? Oh. <laughs> and uh, and then we started working with Craig in the Soft Choice Design Studio, and we actually just went through Gosh, it was, I think it was in eight hours of workshops you know, with the team, cross-collaboratively with, with the marketing organization, but also in partnership with IT. And we are building now, and I'm really excited about it, we're building an internal instance on OpenAI. I don't know if we're going to call it Soft Choice GPT. We still, still need to figure <laughs> out the name. And we're training it on the Soft Choice brand guidelines, our value proposition, the 38,000 pieces of content on our website. You have two people that made 38,000 pieces of content? Probably, That is insanity. Yes. Yeah, if beautiful. you think about all the content that we have, and nobody can ever find it, yeah. right? And so if you can start to think about if we can create this open AI model in a way that our data is protected so that we can start to transition to more of a self-serve model for marketing. And, and then you think about the opportunities we have to then take that to sales. Imagine having a customer meeting and really being say, okay, I'm meeting a customer tomorrow. This is the industry they're in. This is what we're talking about. Help me bring together all the soft choice content and thought leadership that we had to set me up for success. So how does that work then? So you made mention, oh, we got to bring everyone together and we got to create this use case. Is it, was it just the two of you sitting in a room talking about this? So when you say include the business, like who else is involved in that? Because not to poke any fingers, I wasn't included in that discussion. Well, Maybe there's a reason for that. Uh, no, i just kidding. I think it started off really with Craig and I, right? And the one thing that we wanted to make sure that we did is I don't want to be one of those line of business leaders that goes rogue and does my own thing, sure. right? And so we work very closely in collaboration with IT on a number of things. So right from day one, I raised my hand and said, I would love to be the first internal use case, but let's do this right. right. So we worked with um, Jeff Reese and Al Lakani in our IT organization. And so this entire project has been done with the marketing team in partnership with IT. So we've both been in the workshops because it's really important that we're learning together and that ultimately our IT team can learn from the design studio so that we can then come bring these services to market as well. So it's a little bit selfish and then I needed yeah. the help to create the content, but also we can become our own case study. What is it that we're doing with technology? And, and you talked about customers asking about AI. Yeah, totally. I've done more customer meetings in the last month because I've got marketing and sales leaders trying to find out, well, what's SoftChoice doing in this space? So it's been really cool. I don't pretend to have all the answers, but I can talk about, well, here's the process that we started right. and here's what we're building towards. But ultimately, it was really Craig's team that helped guide the journey. So, okay, we got the use case. Sounds like we've got an idea of like, what's the next step around that? That's the part I always get confused at. Like we, we tend to want to talk about it. We have conversations in a bar around it. We yeah. create a cool use case. We all excited about it. Then there's the reality of how you actually put this forward. And we talked a little bit about the customer asking me about investments and the expense behind that. So in your use case, in your example, like what does that, what does that look like? Are we going to the board for another investment? Are we spending a lot of money on this? Like, what does well, that look like? I mean, we certainly didn't have it in the 2023 budget to be doing a big AI project. That wasn't there. And so, you know, I've got limited resources and budget, so sure. I had to deprioritize some other things. Yeah. Um, but it really wasn't all that expensive to bring in Craig's team. 
Maybe, Craig, you, you see this more with customers. You, I think what you are saying to me yesterday, we have something like 50 active opportunities with customers. Yeah, that's right. There's a, at least 50 active opportunities with customers. And that's, that's before us really bringing this out to market. So I've never seen such strong customer interest in anything in, yeah. in my 25 years in, in the technology career. And that's because people know that this is going to change the way they do business. They just don't know how to start. And yeah, just like you said, hey, this wasn't planned or budgeted, and uh, they're reallocating budget to, to move this as a priority. And then the other thing is they're not necessarily resourced to pursue it, which is why they're reaching out to Soft Choice is, hey, hey we need help for you to help facilitate how we should set up and, and get started right away. The other key thing is, you know, with, with many computer systems, it's very predictable what the output would be. You gather the business requirements, you build the system, and it reflects what the business requirements are. This is very different. You can't really necessarily know what the generative AI is going to produce for you. So what we encourage our customers to do is get something going quickly so that you can test and iterate because it will refine how you do the prompt engineering and what data that you have in it. And it really has to be an iterative process in order for you to get good results. So when we work with customers, uh, a lot of it is to get active implementations right away. Sorry, you, you said something that I've heard a couple times and I'm not totally sure I understand it. You said prompt engineering. What, what, I don't, what does that mean? Yeah, brand new term in 2023. Hmm. It's interesting, it's how you interact with the large language model, such as ChatGPT, because it is interactive. And the more information you give the large language model and the more context you give, the better answers you get. And so there actually is a skill and something to learn on how you work with the large language model. And those people that master prompt engineering are going to get much better results than those that treat it like a, uh, a legacy search engine. So I've seen that pop up a couple times on my feeds where it's like, download this prompt book and guide on how to hack ChatGPT. Is that basically what people are doing? Is they're actually finding a way to monetize prompting? Uh, well, just like any other content that people try to monetize, yes, there's, there's ways of doing this well. And so people have written some quick ebooks or blog posts on what they've learned around prompt engineering and sharing it with others. I think it's funny. If you looked at the trends from last year, everyone claimed to be sort of a Web3 expert, and now everyone's an AI expert, <laughs> right? But I think the reality is, is we're all figuring it out as we go, and it's changing so quickly, right? If you downloaded a prompt book even two months ago, it's probably gotten right. way better, right? And I think that's... That's been a lot of fun, is just getting into the tools and playing with them. You know, we, we, we've been very intentional and internally with ensuring and guiding our people to not put any confidential information into a public chat GPT. That's really critical. Yeah, let, yeah let's pause on that one, because yeah. you hit on something critical. Yes, get using it so you learn how to use it. Yeah. You said people, hey, well, don't you just go use chat GPT? Yeah. But the big caution is, anything you put into chat GPT, or barred on Google, that goes into the public domain. Mm -hmm. And so it's this problem of, hey, you get better responses the more data you give it, but you do not want to put any data that you want public. So there's two things that organizations need to do. The first is bring it internally. So you can have ChatGPT-like functionality in your own internal system. And that's what we're doing for you, yep. Cheryl, is making sure that we have that. And that's why it's important to work with IT, is how do we get the ChatGPT-like functionality but not have our data go out publicly. So then, you know, the great thing is, okay, well, if you have your own data, like you talked about how you're incorporating all of our information, there's a caution there, which is within organizations, your documents have certain permissions on them and your data has certain permissions on them. 
And often that's a little bit loose and you might be a bit surprised on who might have access to your information. But it doesn't come out as a problem because people don't know it's there. Gen AI surfaces all this information. So if you have documents or data that's not properly secured even within your organization, ChatGPT or the large language model is going to surface it. So organizations need to go through a security review about access internally to make sure that even internally that there's proper authorization on the different types of information used in the system. You, you lost me a little bit there. So on, you're saying each individual file. So if I have a, uh, my P&L and I'm working on my P&L, you're saying that most part people can't access that because they don't even know it's there, they don't know how to find it, whatever, but it is open access. So when you put it into this, this model and you ask a certain question, it would naturally go into that document because there's no restrictions to it and pull information out that you may not want it to be. So it's, it's more like there's a, an open pool of data and anything that's not locked down it has this language processing has an access to it. There's a risk that that might happen. Now, when we build the system, we, we point it to data sources, so it's not gonna start crawling all of your data. We build it so that it looks at your data sources, but even within those data sources or your documents yeah. that you share, the authorization might not have been set up properly. It's, it's important that you, you make sure that that's in place because um, Gen AI will just make the problem worse that already exists. The other thing I've been thinking about too, and, it, and it's in the context of the specific use case around content, yep. if, if the content is of poor quality, it's gonna generate poor quality in the generative AI, right? And so part of what we're doing is we only want to point it to content that is newer, more relevant, accurate, yeah. right? Otherwise, it's probably gonna be garbage in, garbage out, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So where's the investment in that space then? Because like most companies I've spoken to have multiple data sources, it's really not anywhere. And we, we we're already working on, with customers, data estate modernization and getting it into a data lake or a data pool. Like, is that the first step for customers? I guess what I'm poking at is, where do you start? Do you start with that use case and work backwards? Do you have to do anything internally to get yourself ready for that discussion? Or do they happen in parallel? You need to start with the use case, which is the business outcome that you want to achieve, such as Cheryl would be, hey, I want to increase the ability for us to produce marketing content. It's a fantastic. We've defined why it's a worthwhile problem to solve. And then the next step is, okay, well, what data and information will power that large language model, which Cheryl's team is, is currently doing? Lastly, all right, is there proper security in place so that when that data is made available, even internally, that only the right people get that information that, that should have it? That makes a ton of sense, and that's where we're at with this project. But you also made something uh, comment earlier about people and enablement. So how do you get an organization to change their behaviors, which for the most part I've heard is a real big, either it works or it doesn't work based on your ability to adopt it. So what's important for customers as they think about changing the behaviors of the people that are using these tools? Like, How does that factor into your example? Yeah, I mean, I think I can say embrace the tools, right? I know that there's a lot of concern around job loss and am I going to become redundant? And I heard a great line and it was, you know, AI is not going to take your job, but a person using AI will. So I truly believe the individuals and the organizations that are leading in early. Was it that McKinsey study that came out this month? And it was like one in three organizations right now are leveraging generative AI. I actually think it's more than that, right? Because I think there's probably a lot of shadow IT going on. But I think of myself as a, as a sales and marketing professional, why wouldn't I embrace a tool that is going to make me better? 
right? Yeah. And I think from, from our use case, I think about it more like enhanced intelligence as opposed to artificial intelligence, right? So if, if I'm a writer and our content team is writing content, they're probably already sort of eight out of 10 to start. Why wouldn't you want to embrace a tool that's gonna to help you get to a nine or a 10, yeah. right? It's really just helping us do our jobs more efficiently and better. So I'm excited for the opportunity, but I think that willingness to try and not be afraid I think is the biggest cultural challenge, but also opportunity. But what are you seeing with our customers? Yeah, it's just like any other technology yeah. is um, there'll be those bright spots that adopt early and you want to identify them. So there'll be people in your organization yeah. that love it and are the champions and, and you want to kind of harness that energy. But then there's a lot of people that you're going to have to move along. So you need to begin with the why. Like, why is this important and how is it going to help you? And just uh, you can use any change management framework that you've used for years. It's the same type of thing. Once you get that in place, you will get the benefit versus building a system that you know, doesn't, doesn't get used. Do you have anybody pushing back on it? Like I find sometimes when you're talking to a customer, they have like the one person that's that bright spot that you called it. And yeah. They want to really champion change. And then there's those that are like, well... I don't, this isn't for us, it's too unknown, it's too the scary. The dark spot? The dark, they're the dark spot? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do, do, are we finding that at all, or is this? I'm not finding that. What I am finding is this surprised everyone. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not in their plans. Uh, nobody has a job uh, necessarily to bring this in. And so organizations are having to layer it into everything that they're already doing. Uh, but what I am saying is, yeah, this is important enough, just like internally, we're you know, saying, no, we're going to figure out in 2023 how to get started. We're not going to wait till 2024. And often what we're also seeing is customers are engaging right now so that they can set up that 2024 plan where they do take it to another level. I also think this is embrace it or get left behind, right? If I, I have heard, I think about some organizations, um, even in our industry, that have really pushed back or they've locked down the tools and they're encouraging people not to use them. I think, gosh, like, I wouldn't want to work there. I would want to be I would want to be working with if, for an organization. So I, I start to think that like embracing these tools and embracing this technology, it's going to be really critical just for attracting and retaining top talent. Because who's going to want to go to an organization that that's not using the cutting edge stuff? So I, I think it's really important that you identify those early adopters and leaders. We we certainly have a number of them, yeah. both in marketing and across IT, and certainly in Craig's organization. And we've brought those really smart people together, um, and. They're having a lot of fun. That's the cool yeah. thing too, right? This is really fun stuff. Yeah, I guess I should start using it. Well, well I, <laughs> oh yeah, I, you're going to get left behind. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Curious, Aaron. We started the conversation where, hey, when I talk to customers, it's, hey, just go use ChatGPT. Yeah. I'm curious, what would you tell them now, based on what we've chatted about? Well, I, I think for me, it's building off that architectural example. It's like, well, what, what are you trying to do in your business, or figure out a use case that you can actually rally behind? What helped me through this conversation was actually focusing in on what you're trying to solve. And so when you can get a problem statement that you're trying to solve for and see a, this in action, it becomes a lot more palatable for the, for the audience. So I've understood a lot more from it. So I'll push on use case. Um, what are you trying to solve for and what do you want to do with it? And a lot of that, and I also push for a bigger audience. So that's the other thing I got out of this. We shouldn't be having this conversation with just IT. We shouldn't be just having this conversation with a line of business. We need to bring multiple stakeholders together to say, hey, let's not do this in silo. Let's, let's figure out a, an actual problem within our organization. Then it sounds like, okay, I've got my problem statement. I want to then look at my data sources. What information do I need in my business in order to make this become a reality? And then I got to think about how I do this securely because I don't want to put the organization at risk. And I was expecting that to be a big blocker. 
uh, is the security side of things, but it doesn't sound like it is. Um, and then it's about people and adoption. How do we roll this out and take first mover advantage yeah. uh, to do something different in our organization and promote it? Like really talk about it a lot, which I think will be critical because we tend to want to do things in business where we, hey, we did this big change and we launched something and we're, we're good to go. But we have to make this part of how we actually run the business and it sounds like change management is really important. Right. So that's what I got out of it, which I feel a lot smarter than I did before. Don't make any comments. <laughs> I didn't um, say anything. So that, was, that was really, really, really helpful. If you had to summarize for somebody that was like, if I brought you into my team meeting, what would you tell them the top three things are, priorities are for organizations they're talking to? And what would you say you've invested in with, for your people to give us the confidence that, yes, Craig's team can actually deliver that? Yeah, great question. Uh, I think, you, you know, the, the, the first one is there's a, there's a first mover advantage for organizations who take advantage of this. I uh, am old enough that I was through the Internet wave in the, in the late 90s and was part of that. I built websites. And so I was able to see which customers took a big step forward in their business. And this is the same level of magnitude of technology change. So the first one is get started. The second one is the change management, as you mentioned, is, yeah. is really important because this is about people. And it's only going to be as good as the adoption of the people. And then you mentioned security is, is just being aware of that. That's great. Well, I, I do have to get back to the office. I appreciate the wonderful drinks and conversation. I feel way more intelligent than I did coming into this discussion. And I will be getting you in front of my team. All right, let's do awesome. it. Awesome. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Yours looks a little light. <laughs>